Hi and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 18th of February 2024. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and today we've got a rerun episode of Lindsay Scott, the Flash Mob Collector. So enjoy this uh, step back. It's part one, I've split it this time. Enjoy this step back into uh, 2019. Enjoy. So I have a number of sponsors, affiliate links um, in the way that it's set up um, that have kindly allowed me to uh, um, share their services really. The first one um, is Mike Kling and Mike runs PM online PM courses and it is a great resource for um, getting those fundamentals of project management uh, trained, reasonably priced uh, and Mike um, presents it in an accessible and um, uh, clear manner um, you can check out some of his um, uh, videos on, on his YouTube channel and kind of give you a view of where they are but um, the, the code for that if you go to nigelcreaser.com slash online PM courses or all one word, lowercase, that'll redirect you to it. Um, there's very different levels that you can um, buy. You can buy individual courses, you can buy pathways as well, if you like. Um, and I get a kickback off those. Uh, Mike kindly uh, shares me that. So um, if you do jump on and use it, I hope you find it really useful. Um, I think he has money back guarantees and things like that as well. So there's a very limited risk um, on that. So uh, Jump on that, and that again is nigelcrease.com slash online PM courses. And enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project podcast episode for the 30th of April 2019. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and coming up in this month's interview, we have Lindsay Scott the PMO mob collector. But first, a word from our sponsors. This month, we are sponsored by Orterra. Orterra pride themselves in being straightforward. They produce elegant solutions to deliver deceptively simple answers to complex problems. They're not looking to shift anyone's paradigm or to disruptively square the circle from outside the box. They consistently deploy logical technology with human-centric focus. All their solutions are created by leading technologists, multi-award-winning industry leaders in solution design and delivery, technology deployments, and user experience. Improve your workflow with simple, super simple, and user-friendly tools delivered by Ortera. And this month, if you uh, contact them, they are offering a free project audit. So get along to www.orterra.co.uk and have a look at what they offer. And many thanks to them for sponsoring this show. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, then please get in touch at sundaylunchpmpod at nigelcreaser.com. So in news... Well, I'm on holiday at the moment, and you can probably hear some twittering. It's uh, evening. 
and I'm sat with a nice bottle of Porth Nigel IPA from Coor Lynn on the Flynn Peninsula in North Wales. Um, it's been a lovely day. It's glorious weather. And uh, the beer is very nice too. So there's another sponsor for uh, for the uh, website. Writing this month has been slow. <clears throat> I've um, kind of hit a hit the buffers a little bit on the Alexa book because uh, either, well, one thing I do know is, and I mentioned it last month, I think, that WordPress changed some of the uh, layouts and, and approach to implementing the websites that I was using as the basis for drawing out the Alexa skills for flash briefings and accompanied with that and whether I'm not sure whether it's WordPress or whether it's Amazon that have changed something that within my existing any new skills I'm creating now I'm getting um because I use the free version of WordPress instead of paying for it because the idea is to do it as cheaply and as quickly as possible it comes up with advertisements in it and then says advertisement every time that's in, included inside one of these um, posts. So I haven't worked a way around that yet, so I kind of stalled on that that writing specifically. Um, some of the other books I've got uh, bubbling along at different times I've, I've been poking around with. Um, my most successful stuff has been this podcasting, actually. I've um, now interviewed six all... Um, ready this is the fourth and the the other two are already in the bag with one two three three scheduled two to be scheduled so um very much um near in the end of the full year's um list of interviewees which is fantastic um what i'm also doing with that is going to uh i've got some more information about the interviews as well I'll, i'll share later on in the year so um, sales of the books have been going um, reasonably well um, with little promotion. Um, as you will hear, when I was a project manager, is still free. I've updated the cover on that because I kind of looked at it and still not 100%, but I have tweaked it to be more in line with the um, with the project management, the sketches uh, style, trying to get some consistency uh, of the brand across there. Um, and that went out uh, about a, month, no, a few weeks ago. So hopefully you'll see that and you'll, you'll like that. Um, and that's really it. Um, other things, not a great deal. Oh, I suppose the, the other thing was I'd been looking at the uh, follow-on to maybe looking at doing some uh, conference-type speaking or delivering the um, project management is funny story. Uh, I've been using Canva, fantastic product if you want to do presentations to create some uh, outline scripts to be able to deliver out to people. So hopefully I'll get that uh, bottomed out and maybe uh, you'll see me delivering that somewhere. Finally, in a matter of uh, three, four days, I will hit a major milestone birthday of 50. And so, um, yeah, a lot of thinking about what I'm going to be doing next and... uh, how things will change after 50. Maybe they don't, maybe they will. But uh, anyway, um, I'll uh, see you next time uh, on the other side of 50. Bye-bye. So today I want to welcome to the podcast Lindsay Scott. Lindsay is a co-founder of Aras People, following a career at Esso and Hewlett-Packard. She graduated from Manchester University and she's worked 
in professional services consulting divisions and, and project office and project management areas. During that time, she came face to face with some issues around recruiting good project management professionals and had the opportunity to set up her own business because she knew there was definitely a place in the UK market for a recruitment agency that understood the project matter, project management subject matter. She says, we started Aris People with the aim of ensuring all our recruitment consultants were project management practitioners, people who have worked within the project management environment. And since 2002, that's been the case. Lindsay's still passionate about the subject of PMO. And after 10 years managing the voluntary group APM PMO SIG, the project, sorry, the program and project management office specialist interest group, put my teeth back in after that, alongside the chairman and other committee members, she now organizes the PMO flash mob, which we will come on to later. Lindsay manages the marketing and sales function of Aris people today. In addition, she occasionally recruits for PMO roles because she can't resist it. <laughs> Lindsay also carries out speaking engagements on project management career topics. She's a regular project management careers columnist in PMI's Network Magazine, a column writer for APM's Project Magazine, and co-editor of the Handbook of People in Project Management. Additionally, she blogs for the ARAS newsletter and the How to Manage a Camel ARAS blog, which I think is the first place I came across you. So, Lindsay, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Hello. Hello, Nigel. How are you? I'm wonderful. Wonderful. Good. There's a lot of a lot of PMO pepper pepper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is. It is. It's like I don't know if you saw that ep- episode of Friends where you got um, uh, Gary Oldman in it when they they're talking about pron- pronouncing pronouncing their P's better, <laughs> and it kind of like that you end up if, if uh, yeah. screen wipe in front of the TV. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely get it a lot. I mean, it's obviously it's not just. The project management, but yeah, the program management and portfolio management and yeah. PMOs and yeah, there's a lot of P's in there, like our P's. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, if it, if it's it's fundamentally, if there's an acronym to do with project management, you've got a P in there somewhere, haven't you? So, yeah. so let, let's let's start at the beginning. Um, I, I mentioned in the intro that you were from uh, graduated at Manchester University. Where, where were you born? Where were you from? I'm actually from Yorkshire, um, a, a mining town that most people have heard about, uh, Barnsley. You know, if you're, oh, yeah. if you're English listening to this, you'll know all about the miners' strikes and all of that. So, um, yeah, I grew, I grew up through that time. So, um, and, and don't live too far away from where now. I'm actually on the other side of the Pennines in Lancashire. But, um, but yeah, no, this, you know, just a, a normal childhood in uh, in Yorkshire, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's all you know, really, really lovely, and um, yeah, it's you know pretty normal schooling and quite light school actually, um, which I know a lot of people when you talk to them about their early years um, don't particularly like their school days, but I'm yeah, I, I loved it. It was a place to meet your friends, <laughs> yeah. hang out a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, and. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate in that I had a really good bunch of friends that were interested in um, education and, and going on and doing more, really, because um, it, it, it's quite a working class town. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't tend to leave. Um, but, um, you know, it wasn't a case of wanting to, you know, have to get away. It's just, yeah, I knew that, you know, I couldn't imagine myself living there the rest of my life but um, I still go back my parents are still there I still love the place you know it's um yeah and, and of course with social media these days you've got all the 
local newspapers and all the rest of it. So I still keep up with everything that's going on back home with old friends and what have you. But yeah, it's um yeah, nice nice place. Nice nice growing up in the uh late seventies, eighties. Yeah. Give me yeah. an idea about old I am. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can empathise with that. I remember all that time as well. It was uh, an interesting time there, and living, growing up in a small town in Shropshire, it uh, probably had a similar sort of yeah. similar sort of thing. So, so you're growing up there. You said you uh, went on to education, obviously at University of Manchester. So, mm-hmm. so when you growing up, what did you want to be? Was it a project? <laughs> was it a project? Someone involved with projects? No, can you imagine the careers advice person at, at the school? <laughs> you yeah. turned around and said I wanted to be a project manager. No, I mean, like I said, it was one of those times where actually, um, it, it sounds awful now thinking about it, but they didn't really, you know, give or, or give advice about anything remotely like managerial. So it was all very much about working with your hands. So you were probably yeah. trying to be pushed down the route of being a, a hairdresser or something like that. Um, but to be fair, I think when I first started to realise that, you know, uh, work um, and, and kind of jobs and stuff, I actually wanted to be a doctor, which oh. is amazing now when I think about it. But I just love biology. You know how simple it all is at yeah. school? You think, well, I like this subject, so what can you do with that? Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I didn't really... Well, I, I suppose I carried on a little bit further with it because when I when I got to um, uh, thinking about university, um, I actually decided to do a psychology degree mm. because I was interested in biology and you know the human mind and all of that kind of stuff, which you know is still still the case today. Um, and um, and again, I, you know, I, I picked the subject based on the fact that you know it was in, of interest. I had no idea what I really wanted to, to do after that. And I think I think a lot of people still to this day um, choose um, subjects because of because of the interest, because actually, you know, not quite hundred percent sure where you want to be. And I think when you're, you're younger, there's 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 no idea of but actually, you know, you, you don't have to pick what it is that you want to do. There's such a thing as you know what we call a, a kaleidoscope career where you you know you will start off down one path and and end up completely different somewhere different 20 years later and i don't think you understand that as a as a kid um, no I, I think it's it's important isn't it is that it i think with the the studies and things like that if you if there is something you have a passion for then and an interest in you are more likely to learn it and do the work to get to what you need to get to. And that's kind of half the reason for university is not to teach you the subject per se, but teach you the methods and techniques of working hard in order to get to the next level. And, it kind yes. of, it, and the subject, large, wouldn't say irrelevant, but you know what I mean? It kind of, it, it's, it's the skills you build up there, not necessarily the knowledge that is the uh, important Absolutely. Part. And um, my parents always said to me, well, actually, after the, after, you know, the, the thing that's really good about it is that at that age, at 18 years old, you're moving away from home for the first time and looking yeah. after yourself. So there's all of that kind of stuff that's in there. But, you know, I, I, it upsets me today when I see kids getting upset about not passing GCSEs or A-levels or not getting the degree mm. that they want because... You know, at that time, obviously, it means everything to them. But I think we, we both know that having worked for quite a, a while in industry, that it becomes less relevant. And um, so, yes, I, I, you know, I, I, I had no guidance, really. 
you know, um, I was the first in my family to go to university, so uh, I didn't have many people to speak to in terms of what was the expectation or anything like that. And um, and like I said, I enjoyed school, so I thought, well, you know, why would you why would you want to not, um, you know, take up the opportunity? Um, and again, I was, I was lucky. This is, um, you know, early nineties where people, you know, you could still get your grants and stuff. So tuition fees were paid for you and things like that. So, yeah, I, I class myself as quite lucky that I were able to to go on and do do something like that. Um, and yeah, and, and, and enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, brilliant for years. Loved it. Manchester is a an interesting city. It always has been. I mean, it was back then. It was quite edgy. Sully is a bit now. I mean, I live just north of Manchester, uh, having come back after being away for a few years. Um, and it, it is a city um, that I, I enjoy a lot. It's got a great personality. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's um, it's probably, I always see it as a second city. Apologies for anybody listening from Birmingham. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's got a great, um, you know, vibe about the place quite creative and, and stuff which i really like yeah 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 it is it is a great it's one of those great great times i've been there because i've worked around that area quite often and got into uh manchester and always found it quite a um just a, whether it's it's the nightlife or whether it's in in the day as well just a, it's just a nice city to wander around you don't feel oppressed and quite mm. it still felt quite airy to me i suppose is the best way of describing it yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things is about Manchester is that um, I still see it as a city that has not as much project management activity or mm. businesses and things, you know, that but always surprises me because you know when I when I did finish university, I, I eventually, you know, I'm probably jumping ahead a bit, but I eventually started right. for Hewlett Packard, which. Um, you know, when I first left university, I moved away for a year uh, down to London and started working for ESSO. Um, again, not having a clue about what I wanted to do at that time and managed to get a job in their HR um, department for um, where they do all the um, uh, distribution. So a lot of it's about lorry, um, you know, the, the oil tanker drivers and stuff like that. Um, fascinating, just, just so fascinating in industry. Um, you know, to see how the petrol gets into your car, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but you were like that. You know, 21 years old, I was wide-eyed. I was, you know, it's that first thing of um, working in an office, learning not necessarily the job that you're employed to do, but but more about the office environment and you know how to speak to people and how to get on with people and you know how to you know, what, what constitutes doing a good job for somebody and all of that kind of stuff that gets you, you know, prepared to leave education and then into work. So, again, I was fortunate. It was a great, great company to work for in that respect, um, but just there for a short time because I think, you know, again, when I, when I left university, it was about not quite sure what I wanted, so I did a lot of temporary-type work, which was, in hindsight, probably the best thing I could have done. Um well, I kind of, you know, found my feet and, you know, living in London for the first time, having a good time and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was only until I started working at HP, so I moved uh, back up north, uh, back up to Manchester and um, started working at Hewlett Packard. And it was the best company to work for. And it's quite a shame now 
to see um you know how much it's changed and and stuff but you know for again i was about 22 23 years old um, i've learned everything i learned everything from from working for that organization um i suspect it's probably a bit like um if you're a 22 year old working in somewhere like google or amazon or facebook you know some some kind of like you know really innovative place where there's a lot of emphasis put on your your learning and development and you know you got treated very well and you know these are like you know have lots of shindigs and you know lots of um you know all the things that we talk about today in project management like communities of practice and stuff I you know it was all going on at HP they kind of felt very much ahead of the time I I felt you know from having left it later and then being able to see how other organizations work um you know got a real true sense of actually gosh I, I had so much opportunity and I took it <laughs> while yeah. I was there you know um and um it, it kind of set me off on the path and yeah I think you know without that I, I dread to think where, where I would have ended up because you know that's when I got my first test of project management um because I started working just as a um, a, a kind of um, general administrator for the head of PPM practice which is incredibly lucky you know is you know what they say about you know getting into project management a lot of it's an accident yes a lot of people you know I've, I've, I've spoken to three accidental project managers so far in this interview series and you sound like you're the fourth yeah yeah <laughs> but she's incredibly difficult when you're trying to because you know part of my job now is i advise people on how they can get into project management you know and i find that very difficult but anyway you come back to that if you if you want because it is a mm. uh, you know a lot of, i'm the same a lot of people that um that I'd met along the way had also been accidental. And um, yes, I was incredibly lucky again. This is, you know, the word lucky keeps coming up. But, you know, I do think that, you know, it is about, it's not all, I suppose, just about luck, but it's about being able to spot the opportunity when it's right in front of your face and being prepared to take a bit of a risk. And, you know, because again, I was still quite wet behind the ears and, you know, but but for some reason, my, then manager thought that you'd be fine, you know, come and join a project team and actually start getting involved in working alongside the project managers um, as a project coordinator and a project assistant. And, um, you know, there's that initial thing of like, gosh, I'm not really sure what all this is about. And, you know, but actually I'll just push myself. I'll just do it. What's the worst that can happen? Which I seem to say that quite a lot in my career. What's the worst that can happen? And And just have a go, you know, I think yeah and so yes yeah, so I, I i um i started working with them um because it was a professional services business so this is hp working with clients to put yeah. in certain solutions and what have you so yeah not only did i have experience of working with hp but i felt like i was working for lots of other organizations as well because so, you know, so what other in what sort of organizations were you involved in what industry um, yeah, they, they um, really varied. I mean, there was um, there was the gas industry. There was um, you know young um, young startups. Remember, this was the um, this is the time of uh, the dot com oh, right. kicking off. So a lot of weird and wonderful entrepreneurs um, um, that yeah, frankly, frankly a nightmare to work with. Um, and then <laughs> retailers and um, airlines and you know, just yeah, it just over that that period of time is that you know you could be working on a project that was only six months then over time it would be something that was lasting a year um I think one of the most 
interesting ones to work on um, at the time was um, at, at the. I mean, this is gosh, it makes you feel so old when you're thinking back to what you've done. But in that time when internet cafes started springing up, yeah, because nobody had you know a fast connection at home to all yeah. these internet cafes. I mean, and I know you've still got them now, but you know, they literally became a, a massive thing. And um, uh, Salios, EasyJet guy. Um, he started creating um, easy internet cafes. I, re- I remember that. Yeah. Like, remember, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that was an HP project, and um, which took us, you know, it was around the UK and some of the major cities in Europe. And um, I was just the I say just I'm, I'm going to have to scrap that. Um, I was the uh, project office essentially for that project. Right. Uh, there's a couple of us working in the project office, and again, you know, HP is always uh, about it gives you opportunity to travel, yeah. so even though there's not a massive need for you to be on these sites where they're doing work. Um, they are very good at, well, come along and see what's happening on site because they're always kind of thinking, well, you know, you, you can be supporting the project today, but actually we're going to be needing more project managers down the line. So is this the path for you or not? You know, so there's a lot of that kind of on the job training, going yeah. on, mentoring and things. I had some brilliant project managers and program managers that I worked with over that time um, that I've learned so much from. So, you know, I, I would say that you know, 90% of the knowledge that I'd had around projects had, had come from these people that had been around the block a few times. Um, and it's, you know, it's invaluable, more so than any training course could ever give you. Um, but again, you know, you're, you're just making sure that you've got your mouth shut and your ears open and, uh, and soaking it up. And... Um, you know, from there, working on those kind of projects, um, what what we found at um, Hewlett Packard is that, um, and I suppose in many businesses today, that the more projects that you have, um, there's more of a need to put in a more formal PMO type structure. Yeah. Um, you know, this this portfolio of view of everything that's going on, um, in order to be able to look for you know places and spot hot spots where you could potentially get you know improvements across the board and so that's how I got dragged into that I said dragged it was a it was a case of um does anybody want to do this <laughs> they were um, like yeah put your hand up what you yeah. got to lose do it again you know it's that kind of thing and that's where I got into the whole um the, the what I class to be the most interesting part about project management so sorry to any project managers but running the projects themselves didn't interest me as much as looking at from an organizational level about how can we improve projects across the board because I, I I enjoyed um, that kind of well, it's a different it's a different kind of view. You're going to get involved in a lot more stuff. So, so for example, one of the, the, the first parts of that project is to look at the methodology that the projects were running uh, with. They were, at that time, they were going through a new um, iteration of a method um, worldwide uh, in right. HP. So it's about being able to bring that methodology to the UK and to get people trained up in it and, and that kind of stuff. So that gave me my first taste of... Um, as well, I still see, see the other side of, of project management, which is the, you know, is the supporting the projects and the project managers. And one of those things is about looking at best practices and how you can help them to do their job better. And I just, it just I don't know, it just maybe it just naturally felt like the right kind of 
place for me to be because I got to work with lots of different people because it comes back to the psychology thing maybe um where you know I do really enjoy understanding and people and why they're doing the things that they're doing and how they could do things differently and all of that kind of stuff so that's um that's where the PMO stuff started and I ended up um eventually managing and building up that PMO for that part of the business and um yeah, and it's interesting when you're doing that kind of job. Because bearing in mind, I had no idea what a PMO was, and then suddenly, it's an it's it's yeah. an interesting yeah. sorry to butt in is that, um, and I think you've mentioned it a couple of times, is and and I find it in an interesting conversation around what, how you would define a PMO, and and with your experience, how different the PMOs are in different organisations, what the the phrase PMO means to different businesses. Yeah, I mean. Well, this <laughs> this is the thing, isn't it? It's it's um, so it can be project, program or portfolio management office. So it's the three P's, and um, and be, and and because I didn't understand that actually, oh, other organisations are going to have this. I have no idea. That's where the um, the PMO SIG stuff. You know, in the intro you said about getting involved in this voluntary group. Well, that is the start of actually being able to understand and meet other people that yeah. were you know, doing the same job as me. And we had no idea when we first met. And this is like, you know, early 2000s. When we first met, we had no idea that actually this is a thing. This is a job. Wow, this is a career. Wow. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it, it was really, it was like, and, and the people that I met back then, I'm, I'm still really, really good friends with today. And, um, and they all had similar experiences that they were working in projects and then somebody asked them to kind of like say you know look at the 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 other side of it which is wow we have all these projects but you know we've got so many issues going across uh, going on across these projects can we find out what these problems are and that's where it's you know it, it started with me um you know that we were heavily audited as well so you know how do you put on a um do an auditable process across so many different types of projects, so many different types of clients as well, different solutions that they were doing. Um, and it all becomes a, a bit like project management in that there's a problem there to be solved, but it's just a different thing that you're trying to solve. There's a different set of tools to solve it with as well. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and I also feel as well that um, when we started in PMO back then, the focus very much was on project management. So forget about program management and portfolio management for now. You know, even as recent as this year 2000, the focus was very much around, you know, in my world in IT and, and, and professional services, was very much around projects and focusing on project delivery. Um, so it wasn't until later on that program management became more of a thing and then portfolio management later on. So you felt like you were kind of making it up as you're going along, but that sounds like you haven't got a clue, but it's it's more than that. It's just that there is no, that like today you can pick up a, you know, a P3O manual, which is the, you know, the thing that came along in 2008 uh, for PMOs specifically. But back then, you would you would just you just had the tools of project management. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you you had to work a lot closely with your project managers to figure it out together. And I kind of think that the industry misses that a little bit now because I think a lot of times, well, quite a lot a lot of project managers feel 
don't think much of their PMOs. They feel like stuff's been done to them. Whereas in my experience, it was very much a collaborative thing that we were doing. Obviously, we want our projects as a project manager. Obviously, we want our projects to deliver better. And if and if if a PMO can help us do that, great. Let's do that. I think uh, it depends how it's implemented, doesn't it? And it is. It is. It, you can implement it as a, uh, a a team that are there checking that the project manager is doing their job right, or you can do it as they're there supporting the project manager hand in hand, making a successful delivery, and. Sometimes it's the PR over those two things of what what's available, isn't it? Rather than and and, and a PM understanding that actually the the activities the PMO are doing are helping you succeed more. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's more fundamental than that, and that's it's the culture of the organisation to start with. Um, yeah. You know, HP was always classing itself as you know invention, innovation, and all this kind of stuff, um, and and applying that to their own you know, internal processes didn't seem like a, a weird thing to do. Um, so, yeah, you know, collaboration was the thing anyway. So, but, yes, but, you know, we obviously now with the job that we've been doing for the last umpteen years that you get to listen to a lot of different people's stories around their PMOs and what they're doing and some of them you just think, oh, no, you know, it's, it, it is that, that thing of um, we're there to control and to and to basically wrap the project manager over the knuckles and you just think, yeah, oh, that's just old thinking, you know. And, um, yeah, but, you know, again, I think it comes down to the culture of the organisation. The bigger, there's a bigger things there. I'm sure you could spend an hour talking about that alone. But, yeah, um, but yeah so it's, um, I just felt like I had the, 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 the best start, really, with the, with the whole uh, PMO thing, just because working for HV was so brilliant. Um, but um, but I I wanted to do other things and and unfortunately and I think many people were being in the boat of being in a large organisation that starts to go through mergers and acquisitions of which HP were doing a lot of it at that time um, you know things started to go downhill and one of those things was about um, you know you were talking about taking pay cuts and um, you know if you want to stay you're going to be um, you know, you're going to be doing this job with no pay rise for the next umpteen years. I mean, this is well before 2008. Didn't yeah. know that was going to be around the corner. But um, and it just felt like, you know, the party had stopped. For me, it just felt like there was. I'm going to be treading water here for for a while. And um, and uh, yeah, this thought at that time, it was um, it was ready to move on. But um, but yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's one of those things, I suppose. Now when I look back at it, because uh, I talk to obviously people, you know, for the recruitment business and stuff and advising them around their careers that, you know, how do you know when's the right time to go? There's always a question um, that people, you know, ask themselves. And for some people, it takes them, you know, quite a long time to do it. Um, but as soon as the voluntary redundancies started and all that kind of stuff, like, right, I'm going... Um, and didn't take a voluntary redundancy. They wouldn't give me one, so I just left. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but then you know I was, I was still quite still quite young. But what I wanted to do, and that, and this is probably this is a this is a kind of it, business that HP was that um, it gave me enough confidence to think. Well, actually, I'd quite like to start my own business. So um, a few people leaving at HP at that time also, um, you know, a bit older than me wanted to also do that. So that's what we did. 
and um, that's when Aris People started in 2002, so 17 years ago, which is crazy. <laughs> um, so you can see that I've not actually worked in projects for businesses for a long time, and nor really, you know, for um, a long time while I was in the business. But I think because I was working professional services and because I was working with so many different customers over that time, it felt like I'd worked for yeah. lots of different businesses, you know. So, um, so something must have happened because I've never been able to shake this thing about PMOs specifically. Um, and, yes, yeah, obviously still doing stuff. Yeah, it's obvious. Another great sponsor of the show comes in the form of Air Manual. Um, Air Manual is a well, it's a tool for documenting process, which um, and best practices. Um, uh, it's run. It's, it's a company formed by guy, one of my uh, interviewees, uh, Alexis Kingsbury. Um, Essentially, uh, and, I, and I kind of summarised why my view of where we see documentation and my experience has been, people will document something, a process, they'll put it in a, a Visio dome and that gets loaded onto a SharePoint site or something similar, and then a bunch of... Pro- that. So then once that, that diagram has been shared with senior management, they're happy they have a process in the business, but then the, the detailed procedures underneath it might be in Word documents, in uh, just poorly kept and not linked easily and not updated and what air manual does it allows you to put in a it's a tool for doing this kind of thing you whack it in uh, the service in there get in there put in your process your flow and you build it down to as low a level of detail even to the point of checklists where people can check off they've done it so it creates that um, uh, guided checklists um, easy to create easy to maintain and all in one place and no one's kind of rooting around to find the SharePoint, and then when you change to new SharePoint services, and all that stuff, it's all there. So if you pop along to nigelpreeser.com slash airmanual, um, there's a bit more detail there, and a link there to click on to um, go and get, I think uh, they offer a trial, and things like that. So uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's something that I think uh, can easily... Um, reduce the amount of errors, rework, etc. within our organisation. So, um, yeah, take a look. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first part of that interview again. And uh, come back next week for part two. Look after yourself. See you soon. Bye. So this is my final wrap-up every week you're going to hear this you're going to get bored of it but you can always click next podcast if so um if you have enjoyed it if you listen to this podcast to the end of this uh show and you think that was great i'd love to be able to help nigel out um there are loads of ways you can do it um the, the first and, and obvious way is to um share the podcast send it out to people um, if you if you know colleagues and friends who'd benefit from it, you think they'd enjoy it, just send them the link. Grab one of the links send, or send them to www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts. That's www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts. And that will push them over to a, um, a link tree link and it's got all of the different ways they can consume the, the podcast. Uh, 
if you are feeling generous and have a big bag of cash, you could grab a copy of one of my books. Obviously, um, uh, they're available in all the usual places, and print and, and, and digital. Again, jump on the website, www.nigelcreaser.com slash shop and that will give you a list of all the different ways that you can contribute um, and and grab copies of the book also got um, links to all my guests books on there as well where I get a little bit of a kickback from them Um, if you are of a sporting mind um, I have a number through doing some of my uh, judo and and running uh, antics uh, I've managed to secure a few um, uh, affiliate links and affiliates uh, there as well. So in there, somewhere in the sponsors page, there's links to those as well. So clicking onto those and grabbing uh, your if you're with it, if you're looking to uh, get super fit, then that would be fabulous as well. And I get a little kickback from those. Uh, I have a Patreon account. It's Patreon.com/slash/SundayLunchPM. Uh, so again, you can ping something in there buy me a coffee or whatever and finally obviously the most important is coming back coming back listen again um because uh the more of you that come back uh the more uh, visibility i get because there's more times that it's downloaded and all the seo works and things like that so yeah that's it so uh if you can help me out i would be much appreciated if you can't don't worry about it thank you very much cheers now bye uh, my latest, uh, the, the, the latest uh, affiliate that I've got on the show now is Riverside. Um, I use Riverside to do my interviews. Riverside FM. Um, <clears throat> it kind of offers you a whole, if you like, micro studio management producer tool, and, and and goes beyond that. Has a really good free layer. <clears throat> and I, um, I've been using it for a while now. I find it really good. When I've had issues, even though I'm not on one of the higher paid levels, the support has been quick, responsive, and and, and of high quality. And, and people keen to help me. Uh, the organisation seems really good. The product seems really intuitive, um, and uh, quality is really good as well. And they, it's, it's a clever way of doing it is when you're, you're recording through your browsers, so you're not got loads of desktop resources being used compared to some other products that I've used um, and what they also do is they do a, um, they stream a, a lower quality version of it up onto uh, as you're doing the interview so you're not burning bandwidth while you're doing the interview and potentially uh, impacting on the quality of the conversation uh, and then at the end it uploads it, uh, the, the higher quality from your browser um, I mean, it, it's just a really good way of doing it so um, if you are um, thinking of doing a podcast and you're supposed to do a podcast, I, I would recommend using this tool. I found it really good. Best, best of the tools that I've tried using um, today. And you can get that at nigelcreaser.com slash riverside. And that will redirect you to uh, my kickback page uh, on their site. And there I will get a little kickback uh, from them. So um, take a look. Thanks. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.